then everybody will be uh, copacetic. Yes, there we are. So now I'm going to start, okay? Three, two, one, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. Welcome to Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick, and we come to you each week, five days a week at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world. Today, coming to you on a multitude of platforms, including but not limited to Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Mixler, ComedySchoolsRadio.com, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, and right here on Facebook Live. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your pals. There's something new to do at 2 here on Facebook Live. Uh, let me tell you how the show works. It goes only 30 minutes. 30 quick, fun-filled, just chock-full adventure minutes. Uh, we're kind of like a um, like a sitcom without uh, characters or plot or story. Um, we go 30 minutes. We usually cover in those 30 minutes uh, one song or artist that we recommend to you for a vast vinyl album, a compact disc collection. I uh, usually have some knick-knack or doodad or falderall or thingamajig or thingamarall uh, or, uh, or a food daddy. And I just made that one up. A food daddy. We have a food daddy that we show you visually and then try to weave a personal story around. For those of you uh, listening, I apologize. You'll have to vi- visualize while I'm showing people on Facebook Live stuff. Uh, while I'm showing them junk. Not my junk. I'm not going to show people my junk. I don't want to... Um, I don't want to disappoint children going... You know, is it possible that I'll end up like that? We don't want that happening. So, um, we'll show you something. We got something cool today, a couple cool things. Uh, But the most important part of this program, this program, ladies and gentlemen, are your um, questions and comments, which often shape the tone and tenor of this show in a far more entertaining way than anything comes out of my uh, thin little numbskull. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now the best way to be able to interact with us live on the air is to watch us on Facebook Live. Although we want you to go to Spotify and subscribe or whatever the hell you do on Spotify. So we see we got a bunch of listeners. It's got a bunch of listeners. Go ahead and do that. Uh, and if you do that, that'll help. But you also want to watch us on Facebook Live because we can see uh, we can see me. You can see me. See me, but not feel me. And not touch me. And whatever the next line is. So uh, it's Friday and I almost didn't do the podcast. I was, I've got a whole day off. Uh, a whole entire day. All I do the whole day through is think of you. Um, Kevin Roberts says, I sent my required joint broadcast, broadcast request. You did. God, God love you, Kevin. Um, I have the whole day off. From morning till night. I'm caught up on almost everything that I can do. Not everything that I want to get done. But everything that I can do. Um, so anything today would be like that extra push. We need that extra push. And I, I take it back. I did do some uh, promotional stuff today for a show we have in Coolidge, Arizona. At the Pence Center. Not named after Mike Pence. Pence Center. The original Arizona Kings of Comedy. So I did some, uh, even though that's not our job, we so much like the people that are putting on the event. We're just jumping in and helping. We're, ju- we're jumping in and helping to promote the show that we have brought to them. So um, that's uh, that's nice. We did that. For the most part, I just had data myself. And I was just out on the, uh, uh, the back porch on the roof. I was on the back porch on the roof uh, trimming a tree. And I was really happy. Uh, not because trimming trees make me happy. It does kind of. To be frank with you, our Tony, 
or whoever, or Kevin, or Don, or anyone, whoever I want to be. You can be whoever you want now. You can change every other minute. Um, but uh, I was happy because I discovered that uh, I forgot. I forgot that I had fixed my chainsaw. Because I'm up there going, man, I'm going to have to sew this, to saw this damn thing off, and I can't find the regular saw. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt like a dickens. But uh, I found my chainsaw. It's still, I had to go up there with like a, a trimmer and trim off like tons of stuff. Because we got this giant Mexican Palo Verde in, the, in my backyard. Now I'm going to tell you something about um, trees. I grew up um, in Missouri. I grew up in the inner city as a kid. Uh, but every weekend we went out to Hal Springs, Missouri, out in the country. And it's nothing but trees. Trees and hills and cricks. Okay? And I never learned the names of any of those trees. All the trees behind my parents' house. All the trees you saw driving around. All the trees I lived under. I never really learned the names of those trees. But I know what a Mexican, Mexican Palo Verde is. Because I have one in my backyard. And it started out as a little tiny baby sapling. And now it's bigger than my house. And it's got long reaching branches. And in the summertime it's got tons of gorgeous yellow flowers. That all fall directly into my pool. And it has long spindly. They're not even leaves. They're like hunks of hay. They're about yay. They're about, uh, I don't know, about... Nine inches long. I don't know. I've never measured one. Well, hey, let's measure. Uh, they might only be six inches, but in my mind, nine inches. I don't know. Uh, and those get in the pool. And they also wrap around the uh, pump motor. And the tree grows up and smacks up against the, um, uh, the side of the roof, which is roof, for those of you that don't know how to pronounce it correctly. But I've grown accustomed to the tree. I've grown accustomed to the tree. Uh, Shirley planted it, thinking it was something else. She did not think it was a Mexican Palo Verde. There was a mix-up. We thought it was cool while it was growing. And then we realized it was going to be... If you live in Arizona, you know the tree I'm talking about. Uh, favored by developers for commercial spaces because they have all those nice yellow flowers in them and they look really pretty. But the slightest wind knocks them all off. And I have a pool and it knocks them all into pool. And it's constantly growing up against the house and going over to the neighbor's yard. And I'm constantly trimming it. And so it's like one of the less man things they get to do at 67. But I did it. And I had fun. And I found out my chainsaw worked. And I was able to get that. There was a limb that was shoving up against the back porch. That I, you know, and Shirley goes, you got to cut that down. And, uh, uh, I'm an artist. I'm an artist. But then I realized it cost me like 400 bucks if someone cut it down. Then I realized uh, I'm not really that good of an artist. So I, um, I went and got my trusty chainsaw. I got electric chainsaws, which a lot of people make fun of me for. But they were like 70 bucks. And I only use them once every couple of years. Uh, but um, they're kind of uh, lightweight chainsaws. So the chain comes popping off pretty easily. You know. Uh, but um, I was able to fix this one. I got it properly earled. It's oiled for those who don't know how to uh, speak correctly. And I got that uh, big old limb down. Now everything's in the backyard and I got to clean it up. The animals, not Eric Burden, the animals, they've never been to my house. My little animals, my dog Roscoe and my, our three cats, uh, Ray, Nigel, and Waffle. Uh, and Waffle actually belonged to my um, my daughters and my grandkids, but uh, somehow ended up at our house. But it's a pretty cool cat. It's a black cat and I ain't superstitious. I let that black cat cross my trail. I want they were all a kerfluffle. 
especially Ray, who is able to get on that roof all the time, can't get down. I always have to get him down off the roof. But they were all kerfuffle because I have totally changed their environment. Changed their environment. So I was doing that beforehand. I thought, I just stay up here and just keep cutting. Just keep cutting. Uh, and, but I didn't know that any other, I do as good as the first one. First one was a good deep cut. And as we all know, the first cut is the deepest. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Roberts asks, how do I feel about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Never cared for the film. Thought it was gory and useless and exploitive. I'm not saying they shouldn't make gory, useless, exploitive films. But uh, it was a big drive-in movie when I was a kid and uh, didn't enjoy it. That came out during my snob movie era. I had a snob movie era where I was very particular about the films I saw. To the point where a lot of my friends, I was telling Shirley about this yesterday. Because we were talking about a movie um, that was on with Jacqueline Bissett and uh, uh, Candice Bergen. Uh, called Love and Romance or something. And it was George Cukor's last film. So you already know I'm a snob because it was George Cukor's last film. You're like, what the? Shut up. Tell us the sports scores, dummy. Um, and I said that, you know, th those movies came out during my, my when I, I looked at film as literature. I looked at film as literature and wanted good literature. And I considered things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre to be, you know, just shitty pulp. But um, I'd watch it now. You know what? I won't. I watched, It was on the other day and I didn't really, um, I got to hit resume on these things. Do some crazy things. Um, um, I don't really care for the film. And then you said, have I ever eaten human flesh? No, I have not eaten flesh. Do I consider myself non-binary? No, I don't. I don't. I don't have anything against anybody who is non-binary or, you know, is um, imaginary numbers, binary numbers. I don't care. I have too many friends. Uh, ah, John Cowan, you called it film instead of movies. So what are you saying, John? Because that means I am a snob. Film. By the way, if uh, I was a movie projectors for a while, and they don't call films film. The guys are projectors, they call it film. They call it film. So we got to edit the film. Because they're talking about the actual physical uh, uh, acetate that goes through the uh, projector. Uh, yeah, there were films, you know, and artists, Brando, Clift, Dean, De Niro, Pacino, Keaton, Diane Keaton, who was in some incredibly uh, important films. One of those weird things, like, like John Cazale. John Cazale did three, four movies. Four movies total. No, five. I think five. Five movies. All of them were Academy Award nominees or winners. And then he died. He died young. He was Meryl Streep's boyfriend. He's a brilliant actor. When we think of The Godfather and Godfather 2... Of course, we're going to think of Al Pacino. We're going to think of Marlon Brando, even though he was in Godfather. He was not in Godfather Two. We're certainly thinking about Pacino. You know, don't lie to me, because it insults my intelligence. Now, who was it? Was it Barzini? Yes. Get out of my sight. Um. You know, so uh, later on, uh, Sean Penn. 
Sean Penn's a brilliant actor. He's a brilliant actor. Um, uh, American actors have kind of fallen off into the extremely good category. The idea of actor as auteur is gone. The idea that someone like Brando doing a part like he did in Streetcar and was playing what was a supporting character because the play is actually about the two sisters. It's really about uh, it's really about Blanche. It's really about Blanche. But through the power of his personality, now he carried a performance. Uh, the movie became his, and he became identified with it. So you know, the actor as auteur. You know, a man uh, Brando was only in um, the Godfather for 20, 20 minutes on screen for twenty minutes. Yet the power of his performance. On and on. So the actor as auteur, Pacino, De Niro, that what they bring to the screen is so radiates. I, I've seen other people uh, make an attempt at Streetcar Named Desire, and no one can touch it. No one can touch it. It's like doing um, uh, a Sinatra song after Sinatra did it. You're just not going to touch it. You know? It's like uh, trying to do uh, I've Got You Under My Skin. Uh, maybe you can imitate Sinatra, and that's as close as you can get, Harry Bublé. Michael Bublé, whatever he is, who's very good, okay? But he's no Jerry Vale, I'll fucking tell you that. So, uh, I grew up in the era of the actor as auteur, as well as the director as auteur, and was very snobbish, and therefore, movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Petit! There were some really bad actors who you really liked, and were so charismatic and so... Uh, above and beyond what they did as an actor that you kind of excused kind of their flat acting and they did bring something to the screen and most notably I'm talking about Chris Christopherson Chris Christopherson was not a great actor a great human being a guy whose soul seems bigger than anything that he does bigger than his songs bigger than here's a man who was not a good singer who sang not a good actor who acted but on the weight of his songwriting, his soul so showed through that you excuse sometimes the, the flatness of parts of uh, his performance, uh, both as an actor and as a singer. As a singer within a certain range, that voice carried a worldliness that uh, a few can imitate. That only comes from a knowledge that is almost impossible to speak, so you sing it. Bob Dylan has that. A knowledge that is so impossible to speak that you must sing it because to just speak it would be like looking at Medusa. Uh, <laughs> okay. And I'm getting off the high horse here. Don Shell from uh, Missouri um, says uh, were food lobby commercial films separate from movie film? Uh, we all like those because we were high. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. You know, they play those little cartoons that were fucking stoned at the drive-in, thought they were funny. Let's be honest, a lot of time it was at the drive-in, it didn't matter because you were there to uh, get drunk, get high, and have sex in a Pontiac. Uh, Don Shell says, I thought Jim Brown was a good actor. I'm just about ready to shut down the podcast now, basing your statement alone, Don. I met Jim Brown. Jim Brown used to work out uh, at the uh, 24-hour fitness on Santa Monica in West Hollywood. Um... Back when, and nothing, it's not, we're not saying anything about anything, but, you know, it was not, now I think it's pretty much a, an all-gay gym. Uh, but when it was uh, um, an egalitarian mix, 
of men, women, gay, straight, famous, not so famous, someday famous. And uh, I met Jim Brown. I was doing sit-ups one day, uh, like on that board, that incline board, and there would be like another incline board on the other side of it. And I came up, eye contact, eye contact, and I went, huh, like that. And I realized it's Jim Brown. And uh, Jim Brown asked one time, he goes, do you play ball? Because I was like really buff, even though I was short. Uh, I'm not short anymore, nor am I buff. <laughs> and I, I, that was one of the biggest fucking compliments I ever got in my life. When Jim Brown looked at me, he goes, do you play ball? I said, no. And he would see me walk away and go, huh. You know, and so I knew him through, you know, eye contact at the gym from the nod, the dude nod. Okay. Um, John Cowan said, come on, you like watching the hot dog jump into the bun. Um, are we still talking about Jim Brown, John? Oh, you're talking about the, uh, the commercials at the drive-in. No, I did. I like those. Those were separate things. That was just, you know, we were all, you know, either tripping or high on pot on the marijuana. The marijuana. Drinking the uh, Boone's Farm in the Strawberry Hill and the uh, half-warm uh, Bush Bavarian beer. You know? And those commercials were pretty funny because we were high. All right, dancing popcorn boxes. Yeah. You know, and later on we liked that song. Moving sidewalks. I can dream of So I think there's a correct, direct correlation between being high and watching uh, the uh, commercials to go to the snack bar when you're at the drive-in and uh, 1980s um, not pop, not disco music. I think so. I think so. Hey, a um, little bit of minor news for you. Uh, yesterday I was talking about uh, Kyrie Irving and um, his, um, the not kindest thing you can say is unfortunate comments. Okay, um, he, um, and I don't know, it's kind of weird. He posted a link to a movie titled Hebrew, Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America, which uh, in the movie is a lot of anti-Semitic tropes. Not troops. They'd be bad anti-Semitic troops. Fuck. Those are Nazis. Um, and then refused to apologize it and tried to do like a half-ass walk-around apology. Um... And then he and the NBA announced they were donating $500,000 to an organization that combats racism or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not making fun. I guess by not knowing and talking about it, sounds like I'm making fun. Maybe I'm making fun. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I am. I'm not. I am. I'm not. <sighs> but then this morning, I woke up and saw that the uh, he's been suspended for five games. So let's be clear. It's not that Kyrie Irving um, that just, if it was a totally random, out-of-the-box slip of the thumb. You've heard a slip of the tongue. When will we be able to get the slip of the thumb? I'm sorry, that was a slip of the tongue. I'm sorry, that was a slip of the thumb. Uh, incident, he could go, man, I didn't even know. I never saw the movie. I just thought it was a crazy title. You know, but he didn't. He kind of half-assed, apologized, defended. But it, it comes along with so much of a rise, I don't even know I should be talking about it because it gives voice to it, to anti-Semitism, which uh, when anti-Semitism is allowed to uh, uh, run unchecked, it leads to some historically fucking horrific consequences. I mean, historically horrific, you know? 
So there had to be if and if someone making the slightest inference about African Americans uh, gets him in trouble with the NBA, as it should, as it should, then Kyrie Irving doing something like he did and not saying, you know, that was a mistake. I didn't even know. I was high. Remember that was an excuse for things? Oh, sorry, I was drunk. Why did you do that? I can't believe it. I thought you said you. Sorry, I was drunk. I mean, I haven't had that excuse for, God willing, day at a time going on 38 years in uh, March. But uh, that was a legitimate excuse one time for doing something stupid. I was, I was drunk. Okay, man, but you know, maybe, a, you know, cool it on the booze. Yeah, I know. Hey, do you want a beer? You just said I should cool it on the booze. Ah, yeah, but a beer. I was, you know, I was thinking maybe I wouldn't drink for a couple of days. Yeah. Okay, yeah, definitely. Don't drink for a couple of days. You want a beer? That's the problem. That was the problem trying to quit drinking or cut back uh, in Missouri in the 70s. They considered beer a beverage. It's not even booze. It's beer. It's 3-2 beer. Piss. I'm drinking fucking cold piss. Um, a lot of the men in my family uh, had sworn off hard liquor because their wives made them. Uh, yeah. John Cowan says, now being in recovery is an excuse. I don't know what I was saying. I'm in recovery. I'm trying to work through something. And I guess as I was processing my feelings, I did something that I need to make an amends for. We kind of got the um, sorry I was drunk thing in the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's the amends process. We promptly make amends. When we were wrong, we promptly admit it. You know, I'm sorry. So uh, you're right. I mean, you know, 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous was written by alcoholics. And the sorry I was drunk is kind of baked in in a kind of bizarro world uh, way in, into um, into uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Smart! Clever! Clever that Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson. If I was Dr. Bob's people, I might be a little pissed off. Everybody knows that Bill Wilson is one of the founding members of Alcoholics Anonymous. But everybody calls Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob. How come we can't say his full name? How come we can't say... I, how come I got to be Dr. Bob and you get to be Bill Wilson? Anywhere you go, I'm Bill Wilson. But I go up and say I'm Bob so-and-so. People go, who? Dr. Bob. Oh! Who is the more influential non-doctor named doctor? Dr. Dre? Dr. Bob? Dr. John the Night Tripper? Oh. <laughs> of those three, Dr. Bob, one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. Dr. Dre, you know, one of the progenitors of what became one of the most popular form of music in the world. Or Dr. John the Night Tripper, Max Rebenack. Which of those three is the most influential guy called Doctor who's not a doctor? I think I'll pick that up Monday. I think I'll pick that up Monday. You know, who's... Who's the most influential non-doctor doctor? There's Dr. Feelgood. That's Dr. Nick. Uh, Dr. Nick has got my medicine. That was uh, a guy named Nick, something, a Greek guy who was a doctor who used to shoot Elvis up and call him Dr. Nick. But he was a real doctor. Dr. Phil? Okay. We can add Dr. Phil to our list of non-doctor doctors and see who was the most influential. Dr. Phil, Dr. Bob, Dr. Dre, Dr. John. 
You know, how many good doctor songs are there besides Doctor Doctor? Doctor 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 J. Julius Irving, another non-doctor doctor. The doc, the doc, the I should get to some music here. I don't really have any. Okay, when I have any, uh, the weekend's coming up. Let's all be grown-ups for the weekend. Okay, let's. Uh, I'm gonna recommend some Sinatra for the weekend. Uh, it's election season. Everybody's going nuts. Everybody's losing their mind out here in Arizona. We got like um, some weird people running for office, and they might win. Uh, so, uh, and uh, maybe after the election, you'll want to leave town for a while. So our musical recommendation today is from the chairman of the board, not a doctor, also not a chairman, the chairman of the board. There's a whole generation, if you say chairman of the board, the first thing you think is Frank Sinatra. Well, you might want to get out of town. So uh, I may have recommended this song last week, but I'm going to recommend it again, okay? Come fly with me. Come fly with me uh, from the 1958 Capitol Records album, I believe, Come Fly With Me, by Sammy Kahn and James Van Usen. And I know I probably did before. Um, we could go. It's nice to go traveling, but it's not that uh, great of a song. This the whole album was about leaving. This whole album, here are the titles of this 1958 Sinatra album, the titles of the songs. Come Fly With Me, Around the World, French Foreign Legion, Moonlight in Vermont, Autumn in New York, let's get away from it all. April in Paris, Brazil, London by night. It's nice to go traveling. Still, we're going to go with Come Fly With Me. Come fly with me. Come fly away. Because after the election, some people just might go, i got to get the fuck out of here. Uh, that's funny because the side, the, uh, I didn't even ever really, the, the next album, which came out in 1959, uh, these, there was, there was actually a kind of a, um, a theme come uh, 1959 album by Sinatra come dance with me dancing in the dark too close for comfort I could have danced all night cheek to cheek there's other help day in day out I don't know what those songs are about anyway that's our musical recommendation for the day I got something to show you uh, now this is not an original but there he is the original furry this is a replica. This is a replica. It's a replica of Detective Comics number 27, which came out in May of 1939. Starting this issue, the amazing and unique adventures of the Batman. So, Batman was introduced in Detective Comics, not even his own comic. Detective Comics. This is a facsimile it only cost like seven bucks. So it wasn't even like I put out a lot of dough. But I just wanted to have it just to, you know, have it. Uh, there's a whole kind of reprint thing that went on in the 80s. And some of those are actually of 1930s comics. Those are actually worth some money now. Like uh, they will be worth like 50 or 100, 150 bucks, even though they're reprints. So uh, the original furry. When you talk about, we hear these politicians go, a lot of these kids are acting like they're animals and they're peeing in cat boxes. Well, this son of a bitch came out in 1939 and thought he was a bat. No, 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 You wonder how come kids end up being furries? Look who the heroes of their parents were. All right. That's our show for the day. Okay? That's our show. Don't bet on the Brooklyn Nets for the next few days. Because one of the best players in the NBA is also um, a certified nut. 
And he's been suspended for five. Uh, and we're taking a couple days off. We will be back Monday with more thrilling tales from yesteryear. Right here on Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye. Come fly with me by who? Frank Sinatra. <laughs>